Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intracasso. If you are listening to the show for the first time, welcome. If it is your second, third, or more times here, do me a favor. Go give us an awesome rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. Listen, this podcast is free for your ears, but if you've been listening to it for a while, please, please, please go rate us on iTunes. It really does magic for the Tome Show. Uh, So go ahead and do that. And as a reward for helping us out, I have promised to read one five-star rating per episode verbatim on the air. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean. It's a family D&D news podcast. Okay, here is today's post. It comes from Thaumaturge365, because he is clericking up those cantrips 365 days a year. This is a must-listen-to podcast for any Dungeons & Dragons player. I have listened to this show grow over the years and look forward to every episode. Well, thank you very much, Thaumaturge365. If you want to be like him and get a shout-out here on the show, go give us a five-star rating on iTunes. I have a very, very special roundtable guest. Rudy Basso is here with me. Uh, Rudy... You're here because you set up an amazing interview with John Gabris and Charlie Sanders. Who are those dudes? Yeah, so I'm a huge comedy nerd in addition to being a very intelligent Dungeons and Dragons critic. And these guys uh, do a lot of podcasts. You know, John Gabris is on Comedy Bang Bang a lot, both John and Charlie have been on Improv for Humans, which are both on a very popular Earworld network. And and so I I was fans of them, obviously, so I I started to learn more. And they're both huge Dungeons & Dragons fans. In fact, John kind of has his comedian tagline. is He plays rugby and Dungeons & Dragons, the kind of show that he's, you know, cool and uh, super cool, I would say. Um, And Charlie has actually been on other podcasts just talking about how much he loves D&D. So I reached out to them. And, and asked them to be on, and they both said yes. And then uh, I guess uh, I would also say that John is uh, on MTV2's Guy Code a lot. He's been on Wild and Out, which is an improv show. He's done a ton of guest spots on sitcoms. It was announced that he's doing a deal with Fox to work on a sitcom that's about spies, like a spy comedy sitcom, which is really cool. And Charlie Sanders is Emmy-nominated. He's won WGA Awards, which is the Writers Guild. For He was a writer on Key and Peele for the entirety of the show. So, And if you you're, love comedy, you've probably watched many of their sketches. So, These guys are both really accredited entertainers. And it was so exciting to be able to talk to them about something that we both are just crazy about. And if you listen, you can tell these guys love Dungeons & Dragons. And there are some tasty D and D tidbits uh, in there. Yes, as well. <laughs> some surprising stuff that we learned. Yeah, yeah, we learn a little bit uh, about the D and D movie over at Warner Brothers, and we also learned kind of what the wizard's story writing process is like because Charlie went up there and sat with Chris Perkins and pitched story ideas and stuff for uh, the next. D&D major storyline, which is pretty awesome. We also found out exactly what they have for lunch every single day, apparently. <laughs> yes. Bringing in consultants. It sounds amazing. So these guys are super funny. We're going to link all of their various projects in the show notes so people can go check that out over at thetomeshow.com. 
And uh, we are going to roll the interview. A quick word before we do. Uh, they are comedians, and they do get a little saltier than we usually do here. Uh, there are some swear words, so if you're listening with young kids or if you just don't want to hear swear words, uh, you may want to go ahead and uh, wait for a more quiet time to listen to this episode of The Roundtable. Rolling! Uh, all right, everybody, so we are here with Charlie Sanders and John Gabris. Uh, Rudy was kind enough to reach out to these guys and get them on the show. Gentlemen, welcome to the round table. Thank you. Thank you. Gabrus, what are you eating? Um, I'm eating Indian food. <laughs> oh, yum. <laughs> I'm almost exclusively eating all the time. <laughs> what kind of Indian food are you having, man? I thought that intro was going to be longer, so I thought I'd pop a quick, pop a quick bite of buttered chicken and get and then... And then Charlie put me right on the fucking spot. Well, welcome to – thanks for having us on the round table. Everyone's <laughs> equal. Oh. <laughs> it's true. I ate Filipino barbecue earlier. <laughs> <laughs> nice. This is the Ethnic Foods D&D podcast. <laughs> if you don't think we could steer every conversation towards food, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, you guys are definitely uh, uh, my kind of people, and I know that you're also Rudy's kind of people. Um, Rudy, why don't you talk a little bit about why specifically you wanted to reach out to these guys and bring them on the show? Sure. So these guys are, I would say, master improvisers, if you will. <laughs> um, I mean, they've they've worked in improv for a long time. They've taught improv to other people. And Dungeons and Dragons is such an improv based kind of game. It's it's you know mutual. It's like team storytelling with rules for combat. So uh, I reached out, and they specifically do a type of improv that maybe not a lot of our listeners are familiar with. You know, a lot of people when they hear improv, they think whose line is it anyway. But they do more long-form improv, which, guys, could you kind of give us a quick intro? What is that versus short-form? Um, it's a full theatrical piece based off of one word. So there's no predetermined games like, oh, I'll speak every letter of the alphabet. Or when I'm sitting, you're standing, and I'm kneeling. Because I used to, I, I used to do short-form, and I know Charlie did too. Yeah. Um, got nothing against it, but long-form is just sort of like closer to theater in a, in a way. In that it's just all one piece off of one word. Yeah, no pre-decided games. You find the games yourselves as you go. Nice. And about how long will you guys go? Uh, you know, like I know some long form can go 15 minutes. Some long form can go like a whole hour. Uh, uh, weeks, dude. Always. <laughs> um, life's a Harold. This is man. part of the show. <laughs> um, uh, at ASCAD, it's like two half-hour halves, so it's about an hour with an intermission in the middle. Yeah. That's like pretty much the longest shows you'll catch at our home theater in uh, UCB is an hour show or an hour and a half show that's, you know, three-thirds improv. Like it's, you know, usually just in 30-minute chunks. Wow, that's awesome. And so that is a lot like playing D&D because it is a sustained storytelling improv experience. Uh, when did you guys start playing Dungeons & Dragons? Uh, I started when I was probably like 9 or 10 years old. Yeah, I think I started at 13, like 6th grade. I moved into a new town. And, uh, some kids were playing it. I got into it, brought it back to some of my old friends, and then pretty much played it, you know, not – Consistently, but pretty much played it for the next 20 years at that point. My uh, deadbeat jobless dad used to hang out at the comic book shop all day and bring me with him. And uh, 
<laughs> your dad sounds awesome when you're a kid, but as you hear that story, <laughs> <laughs> with, 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 the pers- with the perspective of an adult, you're like, oh, he was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was just digging around in a comic book shop one day and found some some adventure modules. Was like really intrigued by them because I liked text, like the text portions of it, because I was a avid reader, and then also the illustrations were cool. And, uh, it, you know, it just seemed really mysterious. And so I would like, I got a few of them and brought them back to my neighborhood and like got kids on my block to, to play D and D with me. Yeah. It was so fun. Like having to be the one I like brought it to a different group of friends. I was like, all right guys, it's called Dungeons and Dragons. Follow me on this. I'm pretty sure you're going to like it. And like, <laughs> yeah, I totally. To, like, <laughs> I had to like try to explain it, even though I had only been playing it myself for like one month with a different friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Like now, that you're, now that you're older and with the internet, you can like track down people that already play it. Back then, you yeah. had to go, all right, you're, group, you're the four people I know. Sit here and learn. And you always had friend, you always had one friend that was gonna suck, but you knew like you couldn't just not hang out with him. You know? <laughs> yeah, you needed all the people you could get. Right. It's, yeah. it's kind of like improv. <laughs> Another way it's like improv. There's always got to be one fucking idiot. <laughs> in the, when you're in college and you're just scrounging for people, you'll take one shithead just to like get to eight. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you'll take like seven shitheads just to uh, be able to do it. <laughs> so you guys were playing throughout your childhood. When you started to become more interested in, in improv – did you see the the relation there, or did you start doing improv and then be like, oh, this is kind of like when we used to play D&D? Yeah, I guess when I started doing improv, like just silly college improv stuff, I was like, oh, I'm comfortable just talking out of my ass and, and taking on these characters that I'm applied in a random situation. And I was like, oh, this, you know why? Because this feels like being a PC or a DM in a game of Dungeons & Dragons. A little bit. And then yeah, I like, totally. As I got more in improv, it just made more and more sense, like, the overlap in skill sets. Yeah, I think, like, what I liked about D&D, I also liked about um, acting and plays and stuff and then doing improv later on, which was, like, I just like, like doing scenes. Like, I like being in a scene and being a character. And yeah. so, like, when you Dungeon Master, like, like you get to play a bunch of characters and you have these interactions with people. So I think it's essentially the same thing I like about both. Nice. When you guys play D and D are, are you like heavy on the role playing scenes and stuff? Is there not a lot of combat when you guys are playing? Uh, there's both. There's uh plenty of combat and plenty of role playing. Mm-hmm. When I was coming up, when I first started as a youngster, it was all combat levels, treasure, like all we cared about was outfitting our characters. But as we got older, we cared more and more about backstory and, um, you know, designing like good adventures and being good adventurers in an adventure, like playing into the stories for the sake of it, you know, and, and dealing with the D de- like when we were younger, it was like, just beat the DM, get as much treasure and experience <laughs> as possible and just get the highest level spells as possible. Who cares? I just want to fight everything. <laughs> do you guys like set out to to be comedic when in the story that you're telling in D D, or do you just sort of organically tell a story and sometimes it happens to be funny? Um well I was DM for the game that Gabrus played in with me and I would like I would not plan anything to be funny. I think like just inherently as a 
comedy person, like it would be kind of funny sometimes, but I would never intend it to be that. Like, you know, I had like this Hobbit NPC that they played with or a halfling and his name was Gweeb. And it's just inherently a funny I just that's the name I thought of, so I named it that, but it's kind of funny. And then when we'd actually be doing the interactions and stuff, it would almost inevitably be kind of funny. But it wouldn't be funny in an uncommitted, jokey way. It'd be like, we yeah, were we committed, would, so it was funny. All our jokes, like in our improv scenes, would come from within the character. By the way, that was maybe the nerdiest sentence I've ever said. <laughs> you gotta gotta put that quote up on the website, guys. <laughs> um, but for real, we would like as long as the comedy came from within the characters, and it wasn't like totally Abris as Logger commenting on this shit. As long as it was like within, because I played a alcoholic uh, dwarven uh, like bastard son, mm-hmm. so my character was you know a fun to play and did and made some crazy choices at times, but it was all justified within his character. Nice. And you would say that, I mean, that's kind of similar to when you're doing improv, right? Like, you're not going for a laugh all the time. You're going for a story, and the comedy just kind of happens. Yeah. Ostensibly, Um, you're going for reality with knowing that you're looking for unusual things, though. Because D&D has more rules than improv. Sure. You know, so it's like, like there's no no saving throws in improv. Like, uh, we don't have... Improv, you have literally no idea. Story is actually kind of antithetical to improv, uh, to the long form improv, because the story doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just kind of playing the character, you know. I mean, you do want it to be funny. It's not like, it's not like I ever enter an improv show going like, I don't care if it's funny. Like my goal is to be funny, but the right. way we do that is by playing characters and being committed to the characters and the situations and stuff, as opposed to being outside of it and commenting on it. Exactly. Well, actually, I would say being outside of a scene and commenting on it is the saving throw of an improv show going bad. Right. <laughs> That's role for prep. Right? <laughs> I'll totally just sell a scene out and start telling jokes. I'm like, oh, fuck, we're tanking. Do you think that uh, it would be beneficial to people who love Dungeons and & Dragons and love role-playing to take an improv class to, to make them better at it? Bold statement here. I think everyone can benefit from taking one improv class. Mm. Every time. Yeah, totally. It's just something, it's like taking a workout class or something. It's just a different muscle, a different mindset. And it really, you know, it can help you in every walk of life or it can't hurt you at least. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it doesn't help you as a public speaker or writing a toast or how to talk to your coworkers or how to tell stories. Fine. But you didn't get like, you're not worse for the wear. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's like, I don't know if it would make you better at Dungeons and Dragons. It will make it more fun for you. Like the same way I think it would apply to life as it can make life a little more fun. Uh huh. So where would you recommend that people start then? Uh, you know, obviously people in New York and LA might have a a pretty good idea, but what about like the people in the Midwest and that kind of thing? That's a good question. I, so many, you know, at least even in the Midwest, so many big cities now have improv theaters, Mm. long-form improv theaters. You could probably just Google improv theater and find the closest shit to your house and take (laughs) a class there. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, Minneapolis has got, like, three improv – where I'm from has got, like, three improv theaters. So if you're in, like, a small – if you even if you have access to, like, a short-form theater, like comedy sports or something, that's totally cool to do. And, like, you'll get to do a lot of scenes. Um, And I guess if you're in a town with – 
nothing. You either have to move or or commute, or you have to like start your own thing. And I guess at that point, it's just how high of a priority is taking an improv class for you. <laughs> <laughs> like if you how really far think... will you go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, you guys are, you know, professional entertainers. Your schedules are probably all Thank over you. the place. Um, <laughs> please, Thank you for saying that. Please call Mrs. Gabris, my mother, and tell <laughs> Is it hard to find time to play Dungeons and Dragons still? Do you guys are you in games right now? Um, yeah, I'm I'm in a game. Well, today what I did is I uh got up and then I went and ate Filipino barbecue with my wife and then I've been laying on my couch watching Sopranos on my iPad until <laughs> you guys called me on my iPad and I didn't move. I just paused Sopranos and clicked over to this interview. So Sorry to yeah. interrupt. Uh, <laughs> no so he's just letting so. you know what kind of Hollywood douchebag lifestyle. <laughs> so yeah, there's plenty of time to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's kind of hard though. Like what? Even just being married, or like, it's hard to get five hour blocks. It's hard enough to meet up a, with a friend for lunch, no less long enough for a real campaign. You have to like, yeah. you have to really prioritize it, which we did for a little bit, and that was really fun. Yeah, it was awesome. Have you tried using any of the online tools that are out there? Yeah, the the campaign I'm in right now is online. Oh, what, what do you guys use? Google Hangtime, bro. Nice. Oh, it, do you use Roll20 within that or just... Uh, is that the little like dice thing that appears on the screen? Uh, yeah, it, it's a bunch of things. Maybe. Um, um, I, I don't use that. Like, I actually will just have dice in my hand that I roll. Mm-hmm. But, a couple, but a couple dudes have the, like whatever that is, where they'll like push a button and then their roll appears on the screen. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's Roll20 is like a virtual table so you can bring in uh, miniatures and, and draw on it and, you know, uh, character oh, sheets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to figure out how to do that, although I'm definitely not the dude. I'm not very, you, know, you saw how long it took me five minutes to get on this guy's call, so <laughs> trying yeah, to figure based, that out. Based on fun. your Skype experience, I don't know. <laughs> So someone else from the group will have to figure it out and tell me what to do. I am currently in between campaigns. I am currently neck deep in Fallout 4 and uh, Battlefront. So Ah, (laughs) that's eating up most of my free time. But I do have to get around back uh, to getting in a game. Trying to get some some time, free time for a campaign early next year. I'm I'm pushing for in the new year getting a regular game going. Do you guys still play the versions you grew up with? Have you tried any of the newer editions? Or um, when when I was DMing the one Gabrus was in, we played. I guess it's like one point two. It's the red and blue box versions that I played when I was a kid. Um, and uh, and then now the online one I'm doing is fifth edition. Yeah, um, I played all the way up to AD and D two. I think. Um, maybe I played uh, three as well. I played third edition, maybe, and then um, I hadn't played for a, a long time, except for like online, like over email type stuff. And then the last I most recently played was the one Charlie was talking about. The way Charlie plays, especially, you know, it's less about the dice and stuff. It's a lot now. It's Right, I guess since our since I was a kid, I would say I'm more into the story stuff now, and our version is just something enough to get us to have treasure and levels and hit points and shit. But really, yeah, totally. 
really it's a lot of choices and uh, conversation stuff that that's the most fun part of it for me. Charlie, I just wanted to ask you as someone who went from uh, the older versions to fifth edition, I just, I'm curious, do you like fifth edition? Do you think it's reminiscent of what you used to? Yeah. I mean, the basic core stuff is there. Like I, I'll always like version 1.2 the best just because, uh, I don't know, I guess probably just from nostalgia, but, um, it's, uh, you know, the, the thing I like about the earlier versions is the simplicity is it's a lot more about the improv and the story. Um, and as the additions go up, it becomes more and more like a video game where you're kind of rolling for like lots and lots of stuff, which I get why people like that. Just personally, it's not my cup of tea. So I like, I, I like fifth edition. I just, I would, I guess I would prefer an earlier edition. Sure. Everyone should play what they want to play. That's our, <laughs> that's our, was unless, it, unless it hurts someone else. Yeah. Well, yes. Fifth edition is the one that um, goes back a little simpler, right? Yes, it does exactly. go back a little simpler. Yeah. Yeah. Although nowhere near as simple as like what we played, Gamers. <laughs> yeah, I think I want to buy all the books for uh, Fifth Edition just to have and and become versed with in case I get invited. In case someday someone invites me to be part of a campaign. Intense. <laughs> uh, we're say- all booked up right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm- free <laughs> Charlie. oh man uh, well charlie on that note um can you uh tell us anything obviously i i know you have to keep quiet about the the finer details about your meeting uh with wizards of the coast we saw on instagram that you were consulting on an upcoming D thing uh we also know like Pendleton Ward went up to uh, to consult with um, Chris Perkins. Uh, so, you know, what was that like? Was it like a pretty awesome time? Like, I those are two of my favorite chubby artists. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie Sanders. <laughs> Who is Pendleton I'm into this Ward? Movie. I'm, I'm into this project. <laughs> uh, he's the creator of Adventure Time, the cartoon. Oh, okay, yeah. it was awesome, man. It was just like. Uh, it was a lot like being in a writer's room for a TV show, except you were, we were talking about the next D&D module. Um, and it was just riffing. Like, I just sat down with the, the creative director of D&D, the main artist, and the main writer. And, like, the four of us just hung out and, like, threw, a, threw ideas around of what could happen in, in the upcoming module and, and modules beyond that. Oh. So it was bas- it was totally fun. <laughs> it was like it was like a writer's room, but specific to D and D, and even easier because it's like I didn't even like bring a computer. You're just like you're just throwing ideas around, and they're you know they take what they will. Fuck me, dude! I'm so jealous. Oh, so fun! So you just like do that, go in in the morning, you know, and do that for a few hours, and then y'all go out to lunch together, and you come back and do it for a few more hours, and then uh, you head to downtown Seattle and fucking kick it. Lunch? Tell me more about this. (laughs) Let's see here. Day one, I had macaroni and cheese uh, with bacon and jalapenos mixed in, which was really good. Uh, Day two, I ate something really crazy for lunch, which was a steak with blue cheese on top. The fact that you're... I know this is true is amazing. Like, I know. <laughs> now, I normally wouldn't eat a steak with blue cheese for lunch, but they, the dude, uh, the creative director of D&D was like, you got to try this here. It's really good. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and then day three, uh, ate a big old plate of pad CU. Nice. Ooh, dude, delicious. <laughs> yeah. So those were my lunches up at uh, with the D&D guys. 
That's what you guys wanted to know about, right? That yeah, was- <laughs> quite a life that they lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all the dudes are cool as shit, too. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John, I wanted to ask you about this critical role short thing that you did, but I heard you talking about it on your, your podcast. And does it sound like there's a lot to talk about there? <laughs> um, there is not that much to talk about. Uh, I did that project a long time ago when i first oh, critical started. hit yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite web videos of all time <laughs> we we did that video maybe 10 years ago so maybe two that maybe 2006 and once everyone in that video became famous the guy finally got around to editing the video <laughs> and put it out <laughs> and it was pretty transparent it was kind of transparent He's like, I haven't done shit with this in God knows how long. But <laughs> now that Ellie Kemper and Bobby Moynihan are who they are, and to a lesser degree, Sue Galloway, Jackie uh, Clark, and John Gabris are who they are, we'll fucking put the video out. <laughs> and it was like, the quality is like, it looks like it was shot in 2007, but it came out in like 2013 or 2014. (laughs) I still think it's a cute concept and it's a lot of fun to watch. So we'll definitely link that in the show notes. So people. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks man. Is this some sort of prank? Yeah. (laughs) Hollywood producers listen to this podcast all the time. uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Ezra Miller too, is it right? Isn't he going to be the, the flash? Yeah. Right, the kid I forgot about the kid actors. Yeah. Dude, fucking everybody was in it. Benedict Cumberbatch was in it. (laughs) On that note, like if you guys could be involved, D and D has a a movie uh coming out. They just announced a movie deal and uh Warner Brothers is gonna put out uh something for them. Uh if you guys could have something to do with that movie, would you want to write, act, direct, all three? What would you want to do with that movie? Well, I I play, we played D and D with the executive at Warner Brothers that's making that movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. Wow. <laughs> uh, and he's a he's a really cool dude and a total D and D nerd. So I have yeah. It's a, like it's a confidence boost. Hope. It's a confidence boost in the business. Yeah, totally. Wow. Um, but yeah, do whatever, man. Wow. Yeah, so, I would do whatever. I would help pitch story, but I think what they really need for me is for me to play some sort of fat bumbling rogue. <laughs> that would be awesome, dude. I'm the, I'm the Oliver Platt of our generation. <laughs> uh, I never so- thought of it. What is that? I'm the uh, Nathan Lane. I don't know. <laughs> trying to think of another chubby dude from that same era. So, Charlie, like, if your stuff shows up in the movie, are you going to be like, yo, you lifted that right from our campaign? Uh, no, I'd be psyched. I mean, we'll sue the fuck out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might be like, hey, give me a little taste of that D&D loop. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Sweet Just D&D let- box office. <laughs> I would be a fucking barbarian or an orc in the background. Oh, man. Yeah, me too. I'd have to play like a weird monk or something. <laughs> Dude, I would want to play like a fucking hill giant. Oh, uh- <laughs> that would be tight. That would be so dope. Wear like big fucking fake chest hair and shit. <laughs> Yo, you and I could play an Etten together, two-headed Etten. Oh, I like it. I, I would be down to be like the voice of a magical sword or something too. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> With like is a, that what you guys want from a D and D movie? Like clear D and D stuff? I know they they did the old that's, one, and it was kind of not. Yeah. So I want it straight up four character party. Each Same. A each a different class get brought together by this some adventure. You know, some story engine of like they're in a tavern, they overhear this. <laughs> like I yep. want it by the books, just well written and fun action. I think people would eat. I mean. Every movie's formulaic. Why not copy the formula that makes D and D so expensive? Yeah, yeah. It definitely. I hope it starts in a tavern. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if they want it to be be the real shit, it should. Oh yeah, yeah. You'll yeah. know you're off in good hands if that's the first thing you see. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, can you guys tell us about any uh, favorite characters you've played at the table? Oh sure. Then neither of us ever talk again. <laughs> Dead silence. Uh, what? Yeah, sure. Hold on. <laughs> Come back an hour and a half later. <laughs> you want to go? I've I've uh, almost always dungeon mastered, so I've only played in my adult D and D playing. I've only played uh, one character, which is the one I'm playing now, which is a uh, halfling cleric named Alouette Picard, <laughs> and. Uh, He's always trying to convert everyone to his nature religion. That's why he set out from his from his halfling village. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. That's awesome. And I, I've converted all the NPCs in our party. It's just the player characters that think I'm annoying and won't convert. <laughs> That's really funny. I, I played in Charlie's campaign, which was one of my favorite characters I played recently. I played... Uh, the drunken dwarf named Lager Brewerhead, who is heir to a, a brewery fortune, but um, <laughs> uh, was too much of an alcoholic and was banished from his family. So he went around town, <laughs> he went around adventuring and fucking like smashing open casks of his father's beer and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Gabrus, remember when you climbed up the dragon's tail in that one? That adventure? was the most fun thing, a character I've ever had. Oh, so Lager. The other thing was he was always wasted, so he's quick to try to rush into battle. And we stumbled upon a dragon, and we were like – there was like five of us, but we were only levels three, two, three, yeah. or four. We yeah, were, pretty low. <laughs> but it was like a, a dragonling, and I fucking charged it and leapt onto it. And uh, just, you know, Charlie – I rolled some. I barely hit him, so Charlie had me like – and this is another fun thing is it's – with Charlie, it's not hit six points of damage. Set uh, – 15 that's a thacko blah blah it's all right you leap up you hit him on the tail and you get caught on a spike and now you're being dragged around by the tail and then i manage as the dwarf to climb the tail with like three dexterity checks a strength check all the stuff that charlie was throwing at me <laughs> climb all the way up to the top of the dragon's neck and hammer it in the head <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was wow. like one of the really fun moments when you're like when all of a sudden everybody's like on their feet as if we're gambling or something because <laughs> right. it was like you had to roll like you know 17 or above three times in a row and every time it'd be like, oh, shit, natural 20. Do you believe in like failing forward, Charlie, when you're DMing? Like, you know, um, if somebody uh, fails that there, you should still uh, do something exciting that moves the story forward, even if it results in like a terrible maiming of the character. Um, kind of. I mean, I always try and like. I wouldn't like let someone win if they rolled a bad roll just to let them win. I would like, but I like, I like 
seeing where bad roles and failures like twist and turn the story and stuff. Yeah, like the uh, halfling uh, vampire that uh, for some reason who was going to help us. And then our character, one of our guys in our party just attacked him out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unbe- unbeknownst to the rest of the party. shared it. Yeah, he passed a note to me being like, I'm going to go in and try and kill Gweeb. Nobody else oh, Gweeb. <laughs> Not Gweeb. <laughs> oh, let's say like somebody like is trying to jump across a roof or something mm-hmm. and they fail. I would like have them fall down between the buildings and like have that lead into like a new adventure that they're on. Like now you're in an alley full of full of pirates or something and you got to like fight your way out of there. Ah, that's awesome. That's what we like to hear from DMs. Obstacles, not walls. Yeah. Yeah. And and Charlie is very good at that because we will the the party that we played with almost exclusively chose non-traditional ways to handle. <laughs> <Yes>, totally. <laughs> like any situation that arose, you know, it would be like the the captain of the guard wants to hire you guys to kill these kobolds in a cave, <laughs> and it's like, okay, we can do that. And one one person in our party's like, we can't trust the captain. We have to follow <laughs> home and watch him at his house. And then he like finds us, and he's angry with us, and he throws us out of the town. <laughs> yeah, there were like several times we never even got to the adventure I planned, and, <laughs> I'd, and I'd just be like totally improving and winging it. Do you do a lot of prep, uh, or do you mostly rely on, like, well, these guys are going to go off the rails, so I might as well not prepare? You know, you would think I would have started being the latter, but every single time I would, like, plan an adventure. And then, you know, out of, like, I mean, we played a bunch of times. Like, most of the time, some course of the adventure would happen with some surprises, (laughs) but a couple times it was, like, the captain of the guard wants to hire you. Well, we attack him. Like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Do you use any materials beyond the core stuff? Do you use, like, any settings, like D&D settings or any modules, or do you just kind of make it all up? Uh, Yeah, I used modules. I did um, the very first one. Do you guys hear this crazy noise that's outside my apartment? We do not. What is it? Uh, I don't know. A dragon roar. It's like a fucking... Oh, I think it's like a lawnmower <laughs> Good, or something. good. Bring it back. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I did... Um, in the original Redbox one, there was like a little like starter adventure. And so I did that. I think that was before Gabrus joined us. Did that for a couple sessions. And then we did Keep on the Borderlands. So oh, nice. I'd use some stuff from Keep on the Borderlands, and then I'd make some of, some of my own stuff up. Like... Most of the stuff that happened in the city or in the keep, I mean, uh, I would would be us improving, and those guys like, you know, they'd get back from the adventure in in the uh, caves, and then they'd be like, okay, now we want to try and rob the the magic store in the town, and so they'd like they'd go do the quest, but then they'd come back and want to commit crimes in the town, and so the the town part I'd be improving almost all of. <laughs> um. One thing that I we don't I don't use exclusively, but my my biggest D and D boost or my the thing that boosted my skills or my love of it the most was a while back, maybe after second edition, they came out with all these handbooks for um, just classes, like the Fighter's Handbook, the Thieves' Handbook, the ma- Magic Users' Handbook, and in it was just tons of different like specializations of each class like the ranger fighter the paladin like and uh, all 
you know, deeper and deeper, like sword dancer, um, elven fighter mage, uh, archer of the rogue, like all that shit. And I fell in love with that. And I, n- I never used any of the rules of it, but it really helped me learn different ways to play a thief or different ways to play a rogue. You can like, uh, be an elven rogue who's mostly an archer, or you could be a hobbit that's mostly a pickpocket and hide in shadows type guy. And it just really helped me come up with characters. And of course, reading a shit ton of fantasy set in the Forgotten Realms always helps too. Yeah. Holy shit, I, diesel of you. <laughs> I just didn't even take a breath. I'm sorry about that. No, no, that did you so did you read uh did you read like R. A. Salvatore novels about Driz the Dark Elf and that kind of thing? I've read every single uh, novel that R.A. Salvatore has put out. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's awesome. I've read like 24 Drizzt books. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah uh, I'm obsessed with uh, Drizzt. That world is just the best. Nice. Would you like the movie to be about him? I mean, that would be a – I mean, that's a smart choice. I'd much rather a 70-episode Netflix series. About- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be that's incredible. thinking. Yeah, yeah, done in like dark, gritty Daredevil style would be amazing. Yeah, all all taking place in uh, Menzo Berenzin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and reading all kinds of fantasy always helps me because it's all about building that fun character. Because you know, I have friends that well, one of the guys we play with like is a always a fight. Well, at least a few times I play with them is a fighter mage who wears armor and uses a bow and arrow. So he's, like, as protected as possible. Like, he's, like, built for yeah. survival. <laughs> he, tries to, he tries to make himself into a tank, basically. Yeah. A tank that doesn't get involved in combat. <laughs> and shoots yeah. so, he, so he can live forever. He'd always, um, run and, he'd always run and hide behind a rock and, like, shoot arrows from behind it while everyone else... Shoot arrow and cast magic... And he would, he would even cast magic missile because he would save them. <laughs> <laughs> reading those books and reading fantasy novels and, you know, reading um, all the Joe Abercrombie novels, you're like, there's so many fun types of fighters and types of rogues that you're like, oh, that would just be fun to role play a fighter who doesn't wear armor. Cause he says, if I'm getting hit, I'm dying anyway. You know, <laughs> shit like that. Like I role played for a long time uh, in my, one of my old games as a uh, human fighter that wore no armor. He only wore like just trunks, just pants. Whoa. Uh, used a two-handed sword. And he said like, if he was to get hit, he's that he should die. But I juiced up my strength and constitution and I just played him like he's a big badass that can try not to take hits. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Uh, yeah. And it's worth it for me to not win versus to play someone that would be really fun to play. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, have you guys ever played any other uh, tabletop role-playing games like Gamma World or, uh, you know, anything weird, Star Wars, that kind of thing? We I tried uh, to get a Star Wars game going when I was a kid because that was like the perfect uh, uh, Venn diagram of my two favorite things. But we never really – that and the Marvel one, like, and the, like a superhero one, we wanted so badly to work, but neither of them really uh, worked for us. Yeah, we I played um I played Star Wars the newer one at Gen Con a few months ago. Uh and it was really fun. Oh, that's cool. Like yeah. it's a newer it's a newer Star Wars one or an old one? I missed what you said. A uh, newer one. There's a new one that came out within the last year. Yeah, it's that one. Oh, that's fun. It's called Edge uh, of Empire. Yeah, there's a couple of them actually. There's Edge yeah. of Empire is about like Han Solo stuff and then there's one about Jedi and one about Rebels, so 
Ooh, maybe I'll it's, maybe I'll scoop one of those and run run that game. Oh, dude, you should. It was really fun. Oh, that's fun. Oh, I would be down to do that. Uh, yeah, there's a big we, emphasis on storytelling too. It's not super dicey. Awesome. Yeah, we played uh, we played a couple rounds of that game Mage, which was kind of like role playing in a Matrixy type world. Yeah, um, that, was, that was pretty fun. Uh, I really liked the dice system of Mage. It was super simple. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It was like you pick. It was like all six sided dice, and you picked the difficulty of something on one through six. Uh, the DM just picked it <clears throat> based on the action, and if you had a skill of four in that, you would uh, roll four six sided dice versus. Oh yeah, that's right. And if you totally did it well, that you know things would change like that, which is cool. Um, I like a fun part of that is you started off as a normal person and then you like discover you have these magic powers and stuff. So yeah, like that- I was a guy, I was like a total like boner that worked at an enterprise rent a car <laughs> and then started yeah. to find out he had magical powers. Right. And I was a, I was a stoner who was living in the woods, a, a stoner <laughs> nudist, a stoner <laughs> nudist who was living in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. And I've heard a lot of people talk about GURPS. Mm. Yeah, GURPS. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played GURPS. You roll uh, a lot of D6s, like a ton yeah. and ton mm. of D6s. Um, huh. But you're supposed to be able to bring any uh, story into it. Like, it's a system that works for if you want to do science fiction or if you want to do modern or fantasy, you can do anything with it. Yeah, that's... And I heard you could also have them all at the same time. Yeah, you can do a match. Absolutely. Which yeah. Is awesome. yeah. 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 Uh, our, our mutual friend, Thomas Middleditch, uh, oh, from sure. fuck, yeah. the guy in Silicon Valley, yeah. he's a fucking big time GURPS player. He, he, that's the first I ever heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him talk about that on uh, like Seth Meyers or something. I think. <laughs> and uh, all, Seth Meyers just made fun of him the whole time for talking about it. <laughs> Fair yeah. <laughs> I remember playing uh, Twilight 2000. Did you guys ever play that? No. Uh, it was a really fun role-playing game. I got to get it so we can try it. But it's like, it, I, I played it in the 80s, and it was set in the year 2000. And oh, that's so, so fun. So it's kind of like the 80s view of what 2000 would be like. And there'd been a nuclear war, and you're like an American unit that was in Poland for World War III fighting the Russians. And then a nuclear war happened. So you're like lost in Eastern Europe uh, with these sort of like G.I. Joe style weapons, like driving around in a Jeep trying to find out how to get back to America. But there's been a nuclear war, so there's also like mutants and shit like that. Oh, that's fun. I like that one. Yeah, it, it would be fun. really fun to play with the current knowledge of the 2000s. Uh, yeah, I know. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> that's like in uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Have you guys seen that movie? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I- I love the beginning. It's like Ape City where all the apes are like slaves and shit. And it just goes, 1996. <laughs> 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 Doesn't does like Demolition Man take place in like 2020? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. So soon. <laughs> uh, so before we, uh, before we wrap up here, guys, we want to – See if there's anything you guys would like to plug, talk about what you're doing, where people can see you, what your Twitter accounts are, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, uh, so go ahead. If there's anything you want to you wanna shout out to the listeners there, let us know. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Charlie underscore Sanders. 
And uh, it's not going to be a very exciting follow, but occasionally I might say something. Um, <laughs> and if you're in LA, you could come see me in uh, Ask Cat or Facebook. Nice. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter at, at John Gabris, no H's. Um, you can, if you come to LA, you can catch me at uh, Ask Cat sometimes, sometimes with Charlie. Yeah. Uh, and if this episode airs before December 24th, check out Santa's in the Barn on True TV, Wednesdays and Thursday nights at 8 p.m. <laughs> I host a Santa Claus competition. That's right. I host a Santa Claus competition. <laughs> and, <laughs> and also listen to my podcast, High and Mighty. Just search for it on iTunes. Awesome. And you guys just recently did a Dungeons and Dragons episode, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a good place for you to start if you're a fan of this. If you're listening to Roundtable podcast, you might want to listen to my uh, maybe skip the one about Judaism and go right to the one about uh, <laughs> not saying gamers are inherently uh, anti-Semitic. I was just saying. I just know I am. It's all about Judaism, Gabriel. Guys, uh, thank you so much for coming on the roundtable today. This really, is a blast. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Having me, dude. That was fun. Rudy, this was amazing, man. Thank you I, for getting This was on. incredible for me. <laughs> I am such a huge fan of both of these guys. I was so super nervous throughout the entire thing. It was really special to be able to talk to both of them. I think you were a consummate professional, my friend. Uh, I don't know about that. Speaking of being a consummate professional, Rudy, where can people find you? Hey, if you would like to do so, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. Also, I have a podcast on this very Tom Show Network. It is called D&D V&G, where uh, we talk about Dungeons & Dragons video games. The one that should be coming out very soon is on Circus Legends. Don't buy Circus Legends. And... Uh, <laughs> Finally, that's basically what it is to me right now. When I say Sarkos Legends, I have to follow up with Don't Buy Sarkos Legends. I have a YouTube channel with my brother. It's called Game O'Clock. We play video games and we talk about them. Thank you very much. Oh, I watched the Game O'Clock uh, video that was posted today about dog oh, fighting. In a... Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> the Millennium Falcon is unkillable in, uh, in Battlefront, in Star Wars Battlefront. And, of course, people, you can follow me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, leave us a comment about the show at the Tome Show's website over at thetomeshow.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. And don't forget to check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons world I'm building. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks to John, Charlie, and Rudy for being on the show. Extra special Thanks to Rudy for setting up this amazing interview. Uh, special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup and Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable. 